Thank you guys for tuning in. This is episode 13 of Coaching Connections with Marcus Alvarado, and we have a great episode for you today. We have two Hall of Fame coaches, Coach Joe Fabian and Coach Charlie Bogus. Now, Coach Bogus has had a Hall of Fame career here in San Antonio with 915 career wins. That's the number one all-time win leader in the area. We have Coach Joe Fabian out of East Chicago. He spent 44 years in the profession, a Hall of Famer up there, home of the great Greg Popovich. And, and these guys have never met from two completely different states, uh, but they just linked up and, and clicked with each other and shared so many wonderful stories. And by the end of the episode, you could have sworn they were best friends. This is episode 13, Coach Fabian, Coach Bogus. Let's get after it. Can you hear Coach Fabian? No. Yeah, I can hear it now. And I can hear you perfect. So we're, are we good? We're good. JD's got you set up nice and neat. Yeah. Well, Coach Fabian, just, just <laughs> start off. This is Coach Bogus uh, up top, and Coach Bogus, this is Coach Fabian. Hey, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, nice Coach. Nice to meet you. So, uh, Coach Fabian, uh, what, what city are you, do you live in right now? Uh, I'm living in Highland, Indiana, uh, which is about 15 minutes from the school I taught at. And okay. I taught at uh, and coached at East Chicago Roosevelt, and then uh, we consolidated and became East Chicago Central. Gotcha. And Coach Bogus, you've been in San Antonio the whole time? Yes. Uh, first, My first coaching job was a freshman job at Harlandale. And then, uh, and then I coached six years at Churchill High School. I coached everything, football, basketball, and baseball. And then I was the head coach at Alamo Heights for 33 years. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, we'll touch a little more on, on that journey uh, as we move on. But, but first, talk about this whole uh, corona, COVID situation. How are you guys uh, managing your day-to-day routines? I'm getting bored. I don't know about you, Coach. <laughs> uh-huh. Hey. Just trying to be careful because you know, I'm in that age group that they say be careful. Yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, there's only so much uh, re- reruns you could watch, and uh, <laughs> that's true. You know, I'm I'm missing not getting into the uh, into the fitness center. Oh, you yeah. guys got a heck of a fitness center up there at East Chicago, huh? Yes, we do. Coach so, Buck, you should see that that workout facility up at that on that campus. It doesn't look like a high school campus uh, workout facility. Really? Yeah, it's a uh, it's a multi million dollar facility, and uh, it's uh, we got uh, machine weights, free weights, dumbbells. We got the over two million dollars worth of cardio equipment in it. Yeah, that's great. And uh, we have. Uh, a uh, guy that uh, played football at Nebraska. He's the uh, fitness uh, center director, and he's a really knowledgeable. But oh, like sweet. the old saying goes, you could have a Taj Mahal, but you know, getting the kids to buy into and work in the way they should work is is another story. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's the old motivation factor, right? So kids are kids. I mean, Texas, Indiana, East Chicago. I mean, I mean, kids are kids. I guess across the board, huh? But uh, I, I, I have a really good friend uh, is uh, who's coaches in Upper Marlboro, 
Maryland, which is uh, he's coached at Largo High School. Uh, he's coached at a uh, uh, let's see, I was private school. I'll think of it, Riverdale Baptist, yep. and now he's a coach at um, Dr. Henry Wise High School. His name is Lewis Wilson, and he, Lewis is a he, he's an icon on the East Coast. I mean, he's 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 a unbelievably great coach. And I always, uh, Lou and I got to be buddies when I took our Heights team up to uh, D.C. It was, it's actually in Maryland. It's just, you know, 30 minutes to the White House across the Potomac River. And if you've seen on Showtime the thing, it's in the water. Uh, it, and, and if Marcus, if you haven't seen this, you need to go to Showtime and find it. It's a documentary about all the players that have, that have come out of Prince George County. Um, Kevin Durand. Uh, I mean, it's, I can't even name all of the guys there. Oh, it, it Lewis, just came out, right? Yeah, it just came out. I you know, it. All I haven't the, seen it, but I've heard about it. Uh, well, Lewis is one of the guys that they interviewed. Uh, and I, and so we got to know each other when I took my Heights teams up there. And I, I, I kind of thought we were, we were getting ready to be pretty good for two or three years. And I, I got permission from the school board to take us. And I found the furthest away place that I could go uh, and, and match us up against unbelievable talent. And, man, did it help. Our 97, 98, 99, and 2000 teams, um, it, was, it was unbelievable. So we just got to be really close friends. And then when the Lone Star Tournament came, we got the first guy from out of town, out of state, that we invited was Lewis Wilson. And then we had all those great teams came in. And we've just been fast buddies ever since. And I told him that whenever I retired, I would drive up there uh, and watch him play, especially in the playoffs. So not this year because nobody could do anything. Everybody's season was called off. But for the last two years, when we, were, when I was finished with my little job at Central, my assistant's job at Central, I drove up there. And, you know, guys are guys. The kids got the same problems. Uh, the same motivational things. Everybody's everybody's dealing with the same product these days. It doesn't matter the the locale. It it's it's the same stuff. Let's talk a little bit about growing up. You know uh, your childhood. Where'd you grow up? You know what kind of influence did you have in your life that kind of led you down this path of of coaching and and, and education and and really making a a great career out of it on both of your ends. Coach Fabian, you want to start? I was, I was born and raised in East Chicago my whole life. Uh, I went to, uh, my mom was a devout, devout uh, Catholic, so I didn't get a chance to go to the public school. I went to a, a Catholic school. And after high school, I uh, went to Ball State. From Ball State, um, I went to Indiana State for my master's. And then uh, for my plus 30, I got uh, uh, my uh, – plus 30s from uh, IU South Bend. Uh, I'm born and raised in the area. It's, it's called the region. Uh, it's, it was a, growing up, it was a hotbed for basketball. So our our gym, we play in seats 8,500 people. Woo. And we had, it, we had it filled a few times. <laughs> you know, as big as football is in Texas, Basketball was, was just as big in Indiana. Uh, you know, in fact, uh, I think if uh, if I'm not mistaken, the ten the ten uh, largest uh, gyms, high school gyms in the world, are in Indiana. 
So, so just yeah, so, New, go ahead, Coach Bob. I was just I was just going to say like Newcastle and those those places. Yeah, right. I've been to those places. Uh, yeah, Newcastle is uh, the wigwam. In fact, I was I was there uh, uh, two years ago. The uh, our girls program uh, got to play in the uh, uh, Hall of Fame Classic, and I oh, went nice. down there. And uh, uh, I, I've been in there a few times. I was there uh, back in '71 when uh, our high school team was uh, number one in the state, undefeated, and uh, they played in Newcastle. And you couldn't you couldn't get a seat anywhere. Well, the gym that I'm most impressed with in Indiana, that when I was there for the Final Four in 2004, uh, myself and Rick Shirley and Ron Vick are um, uh, from the Texas Association of Basketball Coaches. We drove to Knightsville on a stormy night when the wind was blowing, and we found the little gym that they filmed Hoosiers in. Uh-huh. And, and Mervin, the caretaker, opened it up at 10 o'clock at night for us and showed us all the scrapbooks and we, 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 we walked around in that little gym and told stories and for two hours. It was great. <laughs> yeah. That's a, I, I, I actually played a few times in that gym. Did you really? Yes, I did. Like uh, a great, little, great little place to play. Oh, it's a, it's a, you know, in fact, they still run, uh, they still run tournaments there over the holidays. They invite oh, yeah. teams in and they still play uh, high school games in there. So the coach, the night that we were there, uh, the, the kids in the neighborhood saw the lights on in the gym. And so they called Mervin and he said, yeah, y'all come on over. So like 12 guys showed up to play pickup at, uh, at 10 o'clock at night. And we're, we're these three Texas coaches. So we took a team picture with guys, these Indiana kids. And <laughs> we sent it back to all our buddies in Texas saying, hey, we got our own Hickory Huskers here. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, lot of history in that place. Uh, oh, sure man. It was a pretty nostalgic yeah. feeling for someone that's not from there, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's crazy. I mean, it's just uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, all the teams that played in that gym and, um, uh, you know, they filmed the Hoosiers in there. I mean, it's, uh, uh, it's, uh, a lot of a lot of memories coach um just to, to clarify for people that may not know so you're from they hear indiana and then they hear east chicago some people may get confused so how how close is uh is your town from the border of illinois uh probably about uh, eight miles okay we're located if you look at the, on a map we're at the uh, southern very southern tip of lake michigan yes sir it's uh uh Chicago is probably about 30 minutes away. Downtown Chicago is 30 minutes away from us. Gotcha. So. Coach Bogus, your childhood. We, we kind of jumped oh. to that. Yeah. <laughs> Born and raised in San Antonio, Texas. Um, actually, if you're from Harlem, well, when I was, we just called it Harlandale, Texas. Uh, we didn't call it San Antonio. But I'm from Harlandale, Texas. Uh, my dad was in World War II, got sent to Randolph Field, uh, ended up being a, a drill instructor, uh, a DI, met my mother in, uh, at the USO, and um, uh, she, she uh, finally relented to go out with him because uh, she said uh, she liked his voice on the phone 
and he was a uh, master sergeant and she was dating captains and majors, <laughs> but he finally won her over and come to find out, you know, my dad was a basketball player in Oakvale, West Virginia, a small little town up in the Appalachian mountains. Uh, uh, and he had gone to, he graduated from college uh, and was a basketball player. My mother was a girl basketball, a, a ladies player here in San Antonio at Blessed Sacrament back when they, you know, did three on three. And my mother was a stud player, shooter. I mean, I was 16 literally before I could beat my mother in a game of horse. Uh, so I had my dad was a, a basketball coach. My mother was a, was a, a great player and we basketball was just in our family. Uh, so I, I, I went to St. Leo's and coach again, just like you, uh, my mother, um, staunch Catholic. So we, I didn't go to public schools either. Although my dad was at Harlandale, uh, he started as a, uh, he coached uh, football, basketball, and track. And then he became the athletic director, head basketball coach. And then he became the first curriculum director of the district. And then he was assistant superintendent. And then he was the superintendent. So he spent his entire career in Harlandale. Uh, but I went to St. Leo's, then I went to St. Uh, I mean to LaSalle High School, um, and graduated from St. Mary's, and then I got my master's at, at University of Texas San Antonio. So I was, you know, San Antonio for the duration, and just uh, uh, I've seen a lot of stuff go on uh, with the way basketball has progressed and 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 gotten really really popular in Texas. Over the last 20 years, uh, I, I think we we have some of the finest uh, gyms uh, in Texas now too uh, that are really showcases. Uh, so yeah, I've been here the whole time. Nice. You know, one uh, one uh, side bit uh, when I was at uh, Indiana State working on my master's, I got to watch Larry Bird work out five days a week. Wow! In the in the, in the summer. What was that like? You, you talk, you talk about it. Oh, we're, we're sitting front and center. The gym is probably about 120 degrees in the summertime, hot. And uh, for his work ethic, you know, everybody said he works hard. He did this. He worked in, uh, I tell you what, I seen it firsthand. The, uh, the Pacers used to come down three, four nights a week and, and they, and they scrimmaged. And, uh, I remember one time the uh, the trainer, the trainer took the uh, the water and the uh, Gatorade out toward the end of end of the uh, workout, and Bird got upset. He said, "Oh, he said, come on, we're going down to the Ballyhoo. We're going to have some beer since they took the Gatorade away." <laughs> so we all went down to the to the Ballyhoo and had a, a few uh, pops. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty. That's pretty good. Well, yeah, I mean, I was, hey, I, when I was at Churchill, they used to. The Spurs used to come work out at the old Churchill gym. And so I got to sit and watch uh, Gervin and Silas and all those guys play. Uh, and that was, that was a lot of fun. So, you know, I, I, I had a, I had a poster on my door in college of uh, George Gervin. He oh, was my, on the ice. Yeah. He was, he was my guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's all of our guy. You know, he, he, George you know, is a great, George is a great guy. I mean, he, you run into him and, He'll just sit and shoot the breeze with you forever. 
you know, my, my first, my first uh, uh, freshman job was, okay, let's uh, two lines, let's do some layups. And everybody's finger rolling. I said, what's this? What's this? Right hand, left hand. And they're all working on their finger rolls like Gervin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, I, that's, that's very familiar. I remember that, too. We, we used to have to go, look, he's 6'7", he's got really long arms, and you're going to put it off the backboard. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk about your, your journeys a little bit, just your coaching journeys. Uh, you know, where you first started off, like you said, your first freshman job, and then kind of uh, where, you, where you ended your career. I, I spent my entire career in East Chicago. Okay. Uh, 40, 44 years I spent. And uh, I was, uh, I started as freshman coach for a couple of years, moved up to the JV coach, and then uh, moved up to the, uh, to the varsity. And then um, we consolidated our, our, two, our, our two high schools, consolidated into one. And then uh, I was then the JV coach again. And then I, I moved up to be the uh, uh, varsity assistant at, uh, on the varsity level. Uh, a little history, uh, uh, East Chicago is like two cities in one. In fact, we call it, it's called the Twin Cities. You had East Chicago and then you had what, what they call the harbor, Indiana Harbor. And uh, it was divided by a, uh, by a ship canal. So people who lived on on one side of the canal went to, to Washington and the other people went to, uh, to Roosevelt. And, uh, uh, they, uh, very, well, that, made, that made for some interesting battles. Oh, Hey, it didn't matter if he was 0 and 20 and the other team was 20 and 0, you had 7,000 people in the gym. <laughs> yep. And then you had, you had, had a fight to get get out of town. <laughs> it's kind of like kind of like Alamo Heights and Bernie back in the day. Yeah. Hey, and when when we consolidated, we you know we had those issues trying to bring both sides of town together. What was know, it, it like? It took a while. Yeah, everybody buried the hatchet. Let's let's work together. Yeah. What were some of the difficulties in I guess in consolidating? Um, I mean after competing against one another for, for years, you know, uh, it was just getting them together and everybody's from a certain neighborhood, this guy from, you know, and they're looking and say, before they pass the ball, they're looking to see who they're passing the ball to. Mm. And I had, I had one teacher say, uh, for, uh, uh, coaching football, they said, Joe, you had, uh, six Roosevelt guys starting and five Roosevelt or Washington guys starting. I said, you only could play 11. I mean, you know, she was counting, <laughs> counting kids from the harbor on, in, on the field and counting kids from East Chicago on the field. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you want me to do? Yeah, I say, you only could put 11 up. If you put 12 out there, I'd have another Washington guy out there. <laughs> oh, that's good. What about your journey, Coach Bogus? Well, um, when I was at St. Mary's getting ready to do student teaching, uh, there was like five school districts and Harlandale was one of them. So I went up to the professor and I said, Hey, uh, listen, my father is, uh, assistant superintendent at Harlandale. Uh, what do you just want me to just leave that off? And cause they told, they, they told us rank them, you know? Uh, and he said, no, 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 just put it last. You won't get that. Guess what I got? I got Harlandale High School. 
I got there, and the head basketball coach there was Pete Zuniga. Uh, the, the Pistol Pete, he's from, he was from California, a great player. I mean, just – I haven't been around many guys that can shoot the ball like Pistol. And we just became fast friends. Uh, he was only about three or four years older than me. And uh, so I got to coach the freshman team and hang out with Pete. And the next year, I went to Churchill High School. And for six years, I, every day that I went to school, I was involved in a master class of how to coach, just coach kids. It didn't matter. The football staff had the legendary Marvin Gustafson was a head coach. Jerry Cumberlander was hit, was one of the assistants. Mike Honeycutt, Jack Peterson, uh, and then when Gus uh, left to become an athletic director, Jerry Cumberlander became the head coach. Uh, Jay Young was our baseball coach. Uh, John Hunt uh, was the basketball coach, and then Dennis Leach. And so I was. The freshman coach for three years under Hunt, and then I was uh, Dennis Leach's JV coach for three years. And like I said, it, it, you know, we co I coached everything: football, basketball, and baseball. And it it was hard. I mean, I'm not I'm not pulling any punches because I, I I coached football, went to basketball, went to baseball, and went to summer baseball. Uh, and then there was a little time off, and I did that for six years. So I coached a lot, and I was around guys that were just, you know, I just sit and listen to what they talked about, about how to motivate, how to, how to uh, maximize uh, strengths, how to minimize weaknesses. And I took all of that stuff with me when I got the head job at Alamo Heights. And every, just I mean, everything that I had picked up there, that's how I started to try to build the Heights program. Um, it, it kind of, Heights had kind of fallen on hard times. Uh, the the two teams before I got there were 0-14 in district two years in a row. Well, we're losing records, but they didn't even win a district game. Uh, and so my first year at Heights, man, I coached up, I coached them up big time. We went one in 13. <laughs> so, <laughs> so all that stuff that I learned about building blocks, um, fundamentals, never, never let a fundamental slide ever not ever don't accept um not perfectly we're going to play it the right way and, and the right way is what's best for your team not not what's best you know we're better than anybody else the right way is the way we're going to play mm -hmm. and um, that's 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 how it kind of got started and then we got going and it turned out to be pretty good so 33 years you said at, at heights yeah, I was 33 years of heights, and then I, I, I coached four years at Antonian. So I had 37 years of being a head coach. Nice. And how many wins uh, do you have under your belt? I know it's a bunch. Uh, 915. 915. And I, know, I know that because I just had to write it down somewhere. <laughs> I guess in the, in the area, is, is that the, the, the highest uh, number of wins for our area? Yeah, that's – yeah, that's uh, – yeah, that's the uh, San Antonio. That's the leader. Uh, it's I think the it's uh, me then uh, Joe Cortez, uh, Wayne Dickey, and Stan Leach. I think. Gotcha. 
uh, I think that's I think that's how it goes. But uh, in 2017, uh, I got uh, it was the the best thing uh, that that ever happened was being able to be elected to the Texas High School Basketball Hall of Fame, and that was that was really special because a lot of the guys came in, drove in, flew in um, for the for the ceremonies at, at TABC. It was it was a great night, and we went to the bar afterwards and told war stories until they kicked us out. And it was, it was a, a whole lot of fun. Hey, Coach Fabian, uh, your son was telling me that you just got, I guess, nominated in your area too, huh? Yeah, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be uh, inducted uh, in uh, September into the uh, East Chicago Hall of Fame. Oh, congratulations, Coach. Thank you. Thank you. We got you a know, couple uh, of legends here, huh? I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a, uh, you know, you, you, you the head coach for 37 years. There is a coach. I played against him in high school in the 60s. He's still coaching at uh, Blackford County uh, down by, uh, by uh, Muncie. And he's coaching his grandkid. His grandkid is one of the uh, top-rated uh, juniors in the state. But that, I played against him when I was in high school, and he's still coaching. He's, he's 80-some years old. He's, he's got to be. He's got to be 85, 86 yeah. or something. He's, he's still coaching. Man. In fact, he just sent out flyers for his uh, uh, team camp. He's going to run, he, he runs team camps in the summertime, and uh, our girls' coaches uh, normally takes his girls down there. So he's 80-some years old, and he's still coaching. Well, my wife always, always says that you basketball coaches are crazy. <laughs> you you got to so, be. You got to be. Yeah, I, I admit, I, I own up. I raised my hand. I'm crazy. <laughs> I wonder what that guy's secret is. Just, uh, well, I'm sure he's still in pretty, pretty good shape and, and pretty active in his life. But uh, he, uh, he just, he, he goes at it. You know, he stays active. And uh, like I said, he's running these team camps. That's a lot of, a lot of running around to do, you know. And uh, uh, so he's, uh, he's still at it. Well, the fact that he's running a team camp means he's not retiring next year, is he? <laughs> That's right. No. no. <laughs> well, when I when I retired, uh, Bruce McConaughey, the coach at Central Catholic, uh, Bruce was my assistant for three years at Heights, and um, in '97, '98, uh, no '96, '97, and '98, and we just became really close friends. And so he kind of nudged me out of retirement. And you know what you know what the deal is. The reason I still enjoyed going to the gym every day, just being around the guys. You know, there's some. Of course, Bruce is a just a personal friend, uh, but Eddie Ibarra, who's a you know the uh, athletic director, and some of the young coaches, Brian Coatney, and uh, and the and the guys. I, I just I, I still like being around, giving a few tips here and there. Uh, talking to guys on the side, uh, you know, what did you see? Uh, you know, what's going on in your life? And I didn't know that I was going to miss that. But, and I really, I didn't have too long where I wasn't doing anything, but all of a sudden it was like, yeah, that's, that's why I did it for so long. Just coming in every day and get to hang around a bunch of good guys and, and laugh and, and tell stories and pat them on the bat, give them trouble and, you know, walking through the gym and say, man, did you pay full price for those shoes? <laughs> and you got ripped off and you know, <laughs> just all that kind of stuff. 
No, so, so that, no. That, that's why I, that's why I've continued to do a little bit on the side, and you know, five months a year, it's perfect for me. I, I don't have to teach any classes or anything like that, or and he has to deal with the parent problems. I don't. <laughs> and no lesson plans. No lesson plans, and uh, and no staff meetings, and all that kind of stuff. I show up, go to practice, coach, go home, and Bruce does all the worrying about everything, and I just try to, you know, <laughs> I was be supportive. <laughs> on one of the last episodes that, uh, especially the guys like with your kind of tenure, have been in, in the profession for, for a long time, um, you know, but I've never heard a, a coach that loves what they do say, like, you never hear them say things like, man, it's only been five years, but it feels like 25, right? You hear coaches say, Man, these 20 years have really flown by. I feel like I just started last year. Um, but I think that's just a sign of loving what you do and having that passion for the profession. Yeah, it's – I'll tell you, this is a – I've told this a couple of times, but uh, after I'd been at Heights for a while, uh, it, I, I, more practice would be over with, and I'd go walk across the gym floor to turn the lights out. And a lot of times I'd turn the lights out and I'd be walking back towards the exit. And I'd just stop in the middle of the floor at the, at the Mule Dome and just, and just think. I mean, it probably maybe 15, 20 seconds or 30 seconds, 45 seconds. And I just kind of absorb all the stuff that had gone on in there, all the games and players and, and wins and losses and, you know, just nothing is specific, but it was just the atmosphere uh, of, the, of the gym and all the memories and the memories still to be made. And like I said, I, two or three times a week, I just kind of stop and reflect a little bit and it made me feel good. I mean, it just, it was, it was a, one of those things that you kind of do for yourself, makes you feel good and, and, and don't think too much about it. But when I, when I left Heights, I, I, a few months later, I said, oh, I'm going to miss stopping in the dark to think about stuff. I'm going to miss that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's you're right. It, it goes fast. You know, my, my uh, first freshman team, I'm still with all of them. I'm still close with all of them. We have breakfast uh, once a month, you know, and uh, but uh, we used to have open up the gym Saturday morning about nine o'clock and uh, four o'clock we're still in the gym. You yeah. know? And I say, hey, let's go, man. <laughs> you know, it's, it's after four. I said, We've been here eight, eight, nine hours. I said, you guys got to go home. Man. And, yeah. uh, but uh, you know, it's just, you know, working with the kids, they keep, keep us young. They keep us young. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's, it's great when, when you finally get it to the point, or you have to kick them out instead of begging them to come. You know they're right. there, and, and it's like guys, I got, I you know, I got to go home and see my little girl. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, you know. <laughs> well, I was still single when I was doing that. I, I, I'd be divorced if I did that now. Oh yeah, really, really. <laughs> hey, one of the one of the best things I ever had to do was kick Shaquille O'Neal out of the gym because he and his uh, 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 cold guys would come over and play uh, pickup. Uh, with our Heights guys, they, they were they were good friends with uh, Kenny Duncan and Ben Peavy and David Peavy, and and uh, and they'd they'd be playing in there, and I'd, I'd go out and go, guys, I gotta go, <laughs> y'all need to go. <laughs> but he was just the high school version of Shaq then, so he that's okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he was 
He's, he's real respectful. I saw him years later. He came to a state tournament at, uh, at, at uh, the old uh, Irwin, at the Irwin Center. And Cole was uh, – Herb Moore had one of his Cole team there. And uh, uh, Dr. Brightup came up to us and asked me and Ron Vick if we could sit kind of on either side of Jack and two of his friends to keep people off of him so he could come and watch, you know, his old high school team play. And uh, so, you know, we said, yeah, sure, you know. And so he came over and he looked at me like, I know you. <laughs> and I told him who I was. And he go, oh, yeah, how's Kenneth? And how's, where's Ben? And, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I told him, I said, now, you're not going to remember this. But one day uh, we were leaving, uh, and I, I told you, I said, you're going into your senior year at Cole. I said, now, look, man, you're, you know, you're going to have to learn a couple, that, you know, some little footwork around, around the, the basket, you know, drop steps and, and hook steps and, and spin moves and, you know, you're going to need to work on some of this stuff uh, over this summer uh, going into your senior year so you can kind of get it perfected because you'll, you'll be ready for LSU because I think he'd already committed. And he goes, oh, like, like what? And so I started showing him a couple of things. And he was going, oh, yeah. And, and, and finally he looked at me, put his hand on my shoulder. He said, Coach, I know I'm going to need to learn all of this stuff. But right now, I just dunk on people. <laughs> and, I, and I looked at him and I said you know what you're right don't, don't disregard anything I just said so I told Shaq that later and he just laughed real big he said yeah it sounds just like me <laughs> um let's talk a little bit about people you looked up to maybe some of your, your uh maybe you knew them or you didn't know them but some of your favorite coaches of all time could be professional college guys that you knew personally like I said Favorite coaches of all time? Uh, you want me to go first or coach? Uh, I, I uh, growing up, we had uh, uh, our the basketball coach at Washington High School, John Brado, and everybody looked, I mean, we were in awe of him. I was in fifth grade and he spoke at our, our uh, basketball banquet and he was the, uh, the uh, speaker. And uh, my mom took me by the hand and said, come on, we're going to meet. I might meet, uh, introduce you to Coach Barado. I was, I was flabbergasted. I didn't, I, I, hama, 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 hama. I did, you know, but he was, a, he was a, like a, a, a god to us, you know, Barado. I mean, he was, and then on the other side of town at Roosevelt, we had a football coach, uh, Coach Rosinski, that, uh, uh, was a, a football coach for years. He he went like six years undefeated, didn't lose a game in six years. You know, uh, the the coach that um, the coach that uh, hired me for my first basketball job, Coach Rosebeck, uh, he didn't lose a foot a, a fo football game four years of high school. And uh, but uh, high school, the coach Hosebeck, Coach Brattle, Coach Rosinski were were. Uh, uh, people that I looked up to, uh, college coaches. Uh, I didn't miss Bobby Knight's clinics. When I got hired in 75, I, I made Bobby, uh, Bobby Knight's clinic every, every year. He yeah, ran Pete, did you ever sing with Pete Newell? Yes. Uh, yeah. That, the, that was great when it was Bobby and Pete. Yeah. 
he had he came down uh uh newell came one uh, one time i sent him one time at uh in bloomington yeah but, you know what you see at night that's that's what you get i mean i mean but i tell you what everything he talked about he gave us a handout and in fact i still i still got that handout it was probably about 100 pages thick all the drills defensive drills offensive drills and i still got it it's like a 19 in fact this dated 1978. see coach here's the deal he gave handouts to all you indiana guys when he came to texas and talked he gave us all the same information but we had to write it all down real quick <laughs> <laughs> and he was speaking quick <laughs> oh yeah you know and, and, and you tried to remember the jokes about quinn buckner and all that kind of stuff so yeah yeah. So that was the difference. He he made us write it down. He gave it to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but the night was uh you know we looked up the night a lot. Uh, Gene Cady was was a a good guy. Anytime we we wanted to uh, had a question or what they were doing, just give him a call. He was always available. Matt Payne is the same way now. You know, just give me a call. And we we or come on down and we'll we'll, we'll talk. You know, so, Coach uh, Gene Cady, like you were mentioning that. I, I visited with him one time down here in, uh, at uh, a clinic and we were just talking and we were talking about uh, one of his things was free throw shooting. They'd talked about, and I told him some of the stuff that I did. And he said, man, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, he said, listen, here's, here's my thing here. Uh, would you, would you write this stuff up and send it to me? And I said, Oh, sure. He said, well, what, what could I give you? And uh, at the time, I was running some double post stuff, you know. Uh, 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 and so I said, you know, anything that you got on that. And so he sends me his, his entire offensive playbook going into the next year with every set they ran. And I sent him, I sent him stuff. And, and you're right. It was like, what can I do to help you? And here I am, a guy in Texas, and he sent me everything he had. Every last thing he had in his offensive playbook, he sent it to me. You know, Coach, and he did more with less than 95% of the coaches out there. He, he sure did. I agree with that 100%. I mean, he did. Boy, did, did you ever shake hands with that guy with that big old hands? Yeah, yeah. He, was, he did more with less, and, you know, he got them in the weight room and uh, built them up and uh, – and he had them to play, had them playing hard, you know. Uh, oh boy, no kidding! was getting all the top kids out of out of the state, and right. he was like getting what was left over. And 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 he built a Hall of Fame career off of it. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. The, 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 I, I don't want to leave out uh, the three basketball mentors for me. Uh, you know, I've already talked to you about the coaches that I was around every day, but the three basketball guys. Uh, was number one, my high school coach, Weldon Beard, who's in the, the Texas High School Basketball Hall of Fame and became a great friend of mine. We play, play, actually coached against each other. And he did so much to help me. Uh, and the Roosevelt coach, Jerry Tyson, who um, he was the first guy that I – when I got a head job, I went to Jerry Tyson and said, okay, now what do I do? And Jerry and I have become close friends, and and Jerry's a master coach in basketball, and as as Weldon was, and then of course my dad, who had been a, a basketball coach, a basketball coach, and 
Uh, my dad never tried to, you know, tell me what to do or anything. I'd ask him some questions. He'd go, ah, you know more about it than I do. And I knew that wasn't true, but he was there to support me. And every once in a while, we'd sit down and, and draw some X's and O's and he'd make a suggestion and he said, hey, you know, I, you know, take a look at this. And, you know, he was always really spot on, but being in the gym with him and handing out the towels as a little guy to the Harlandale Indians and, and traveling with him uh, uh, on the bus or being at Earl Abel's until I'm falling asleep on the cushions while him and his coaching buddies talk X's and O's till, you know, one, two in the morning on a Friday night after games. Uh, that's where the, the love of just basketball was from dad. And, and I went to Jerry and my old high school coach Weldon to help me say like, all right, now I'm a head coach. Now what do I do? And so those are my three guys. Yeah. Yeah. Pro guys. I, I like, uh, your boy down, uh, San Antonio Popovich. Yeah. I like him. Uh, he's from my hometown. He grew up in East Chicago. And, uh, uh, in fact, I seen him play his last high school game. Did you really? <laughs> he got, but, uh, he, he does, he does a, a fine job. And, and, uh, 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 Phil Jackson for doing all what he does, not so much X and O's, but keeping all the Eagles in check and getting them all on the same page. Well, uh, you know, you know, the, I don't know about you, Coach, but the best clinician that I ever heard that, that I mean, I, you just get so much from him. And he, he was willing to talk until was Hubie Brown. Right. By far, at a clinic, the best person I ever heard talking basketball was Hubie Brown. Uh, and I just was you know, just uh, – wherever he was speaking – I made sure I was there. You know, just listening to uh, do a broadcast on NBA games. Oh yeah, some of the things he 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 breaks down. This is this is what's going to happen. This is you know, if this doesn't go this way, he's going to go this way. You know, I mean, right. yeah, he's he's good. He's you know, and good. he start he started off as just a, a freshman coach up in New Jersey, I think, and you know, he was a high school guy just like like us, and uh, and he he you know progressed, but. He got his start making, uh, you know, about his salary is about seven thousand a year, you know. So yeah, you know, he, he he never forgot where he got his start, and that, I really appreciated that. I, I I saw him one time, and I walked up to him. It was he was it was doing a game. I was at the arena, and I said, "Hey, coach." He walked over to me, and I said, "I, I I'm a high school coach here in town," and introduced myself. And I said, "I've I've seen you talk a few times," and and uh, I said, you know, I, uh, uh, you wrote something down one time uh, on the on the board, and it, it said your uh, your uh, notoriety is dictated by your execution under pressure. And I said, so I went up to you and I, I I said, could you just jot that down on a piece of paper? And I never ask anybody for autographs ever. So he wrote that down. I took it and put it on our bulletin board at Allen Heights, and it stayed there until the paper disintegrated. And he said, you just made my day. I really appreciate you telling me that. Um, I said, well, it, it made a difference. Our guys knew that saying, and we believed in it. And he said, well, you know, uh, that, that's what you have to do. It doesn't matter what level. 
your notoriety is going to depend on your execution under pressure. But the fact that he was able to connect with you in, in, in that moment, he didn't know you from anybody else in the arena. But, no. uh, but I'm pretty sure it seemed genuine, by the way, you're telling the story. Everything about uh, Coach Brown seemed pretty genuine, I guess. Oh, uh, he, I mean, he's, he's, just, he's just one of us. Let's talk about some of the best players that you've ever seen uh, play live. Um, it, it could be high school, college, pro, I guess uh, high school. Uh, anybody that comes to mind? Uh, go ahead, uh, Coach. You go first. I had uh, uh, Roosevelt High School had a kid, Jim Bradley. He was about 6'9", 6 6'10". 6 uh, Could have played. Uh, to shoot it, rebound it, block shots, handle the ball. Uh, in fact, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he 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 could have gone any any college in the, in the in the country. He ended up at Northern Illinois, but he took half East Chicago with him. But uh, he was he was probably the best ball player I ever ever seen in East Chicago. And then in '71, uh, Washington probably had the they're one of the uh, best all-time teams in the state of Indiana. Uh, the uh, final four in uh, 75, we had uh, three kids from East Chicago, Junior Bridgman on Louisville, Turgovich was playing for UCLA, and Tim Stowler was playing for North Carolina State. All three of them were in the final four, and they were all on the same high school team. Wow. Uh, so, uh, and one of my growing up, one of my idols was Oscar Robinson, and I had a chance to meet Oscar Robinson when uh, uh, my uh, head coach Bill Hosback got inducted into the Hall State Hall of Fame, uh, and I, I met him, and, and I that was uh, that was a a thrill of a lifetime meeting uh, the Big O. So, but uh, uh, then I like I said I seen uh, I I watched Larry Bird play in practice. I seen him in games. He was, he was good. And um, uh, I had a kid that uh, he was probably the most talented kid I ever had, we ever had in this, in the city. Run, jump, he could play whatever sport he, he could excel at. In fact, when he was a freshman, we had him, got him out to, for track to high jump. And the first time he high jumped, he just, he just hurled it. He didn't, he didn't flop over, he, he hurled it. But he was a type of kid that uh, that couldn't stay out of couldn't couldn't stand out of trouble. Always in the trouble with this teacher, with that teacher. He was played with the Celtics. He got into an argument with, with Red Allback, and Red Allback just you know that's it, you're gone. Then he went to the 76ers, played with the Sixers, and uh, got into trouble there. Stuff was missing, and uh, uh, he uh, ended up in in the Philippines. He was more popular than than the uh, the boxer Manny. He had his own TV show on Saturdays. That's how good this kid was. But he just couldn't he just couldn't uh, uh, stay out of trouble. In fact, his senior year, uh, we had Michael Jordan and Chicago Bulls played in our uh, in our gym, the exhibit uh, a preseason game, wow. and uh, uh, it was supposed to be we we're going to bring back juniors in his last year at Milwaukee. And they wanted to, to play in the gym one last time. And uh, we got the Bulls to come in. Uh, our vice principal, 
had tickets in his desk. He, with Tony, kid got in trouble, called him down to the vice principal's office. He was called away from his desk. He, he's going through it. He found the tickets, took the tickets. 10 feet from the front door, he's out, out in front of the front door selling the tickets for half price. <laughs> well, you know, none of these Chicago people are going to turn them in, but all the Harvard people turn them in. So <laughs> Monday morning, they, uh, the principal said, hey, where's, you still got those tickets? He said, yeah, they're in my this. He said, go get them. So the guy went, go get them. He came back. They're gone. They're not in there. I don't know. <laughs> so, but the kid was, I mean, talented, talented, but just couldn't, you know, this trouble following them wherever. So. Coach Boggess? Well, uh, as far as high school guys, there's, there's a lot of high school guys. It's, it'd be hard to say, but Shaq and I agreed when that time that we were talking about the best high school basketball player uh, was Tony Terrell from East Central. And even Shaquille said, yeah, Tony Terrell was, was something. Because uh, Tony could just shoot it from anywhere. And he had no conscience. And um, Stan Bonowitz didn't care that he didn't have any conscience. Him and Robert Kino and all those guys. Uh, uh, Bonowitz's son, Stanley Jr., was a great player. Yeah. Um, but for me, you know, I, watching Shaq play Indiana, coach, sorry about this, but in 89, the San Antonio team, coached by Lou Torres from down here, beat Thunderbird and uh, Knight's uh, youngest son. And uh, it was the national championships for the 17s or 18s or whatever it was. And it was played at Alamo Stadium. And it was an unbelievable game. And Shaquille was, oh, God, I, I just can't explain to you what he did uh, that day as a young kid. Um, so as far as players, I, one time I went to Trinity with uh, Jerry Tyson, and we went and watched uh, – uh, who was it? It was uh, – it was Denver when Allen Iverson was playing at Denver and George Carl was coaching. We went and watched the, the, the Nuggets workout, and I got to see Iverson. You know, they were just half-assing half, half it going through practice. Uh, but then for five minutes, they went real. And for five minutes, I saw Allen Iverson be Allen Iverson. And Jerry and I just looked at each other like, okay, now I get it. <laughs> it, was, it was something. And early on, when the Dallas uh, Chaparrales um, were thinking about moving to San Antonio, and the Houston Rockets actually uh, played some games at the arena. And one of the games that they played was against the Nets when Julius Irving was playing for the Nets. And I saw Julius Irving do – and I was sitting like, like three rows up, court underneath the basket – coming right at me and I saw him do something that I to this day I still don't know how he did it he was coming up the, down the left side on the break a guy fires a almost a three-quarter court bounce pass to him between two defenders and the ball it, it put that reverse spin on it 
and it was going into the lane and Julius Irving dove for the pass and he was extended. His head was up here. His feet were out there. He was like flying, flying across the court, about three feet off the court, caught the pass and flipped it up and it hung on the rim for like four seconds and fell out. It didn't even go in. And the place went nuts. It's like, how? I, I don't believe I just saw that. It was the most incredible thing. How he's going, flying across, tosses it up, ground level. It hangs on the rim. And he, as he soars through the lane, and it didn't go in, and every, the place game was standing ovation. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Hey, guys, can you do me a favor? Just give me a two seconds. All better now. Was that a TV timeout? Yeah, TV timeout. <laughs> That's a 20 second. That's a 20 second. <laughs> or, or no, 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 because of this, it's a media timeout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, what about the most memorable games that you've ever been a part of? Well, I'll tell you what. From 1989, 1990, 1991, 1994, 1995. 1989, we're in Mackey Arena, Purdue University, playing for the chance to, for the, uh, to go to uh, Indianapolis for the uh, state championship game. We win the first game in the morning. We're holed up in a hotel between games, and then uh, we're, we're relieved for the, for the arena, and our point guard, can't straighten up. He's doubled over. He got back pain. Mm -hmm. So we go, we go into the, uh, into the uh, game and uh, uh, he can't play. He can't play. And we, we get beat the following year. We're 20 and 0, 20 and 0, number one in the state. He's dribbling the ball up court in practice right in front of me. He drops like a sack of potatoes. He rips his Achilles tendon. Oh, two man. Games, two games. We're in the 19th game of the season. All right. He rips his Achilles. Can't play. We get beat. We get beat uh, in the, in the uh, sectional. Uh, right. Then uh, uh, 91, we're playing in the um, uh, regional against Gary Roosevelt. Glenn Robinson, the big dog. All right. We got them beat, Coach. You know, you talk about free throws. I, I wish I would have known you back then because uh, we're up four with 20 seconds and go shooting a one-and-one. Missed a one-and-one. They go down, they score. We come down, they foul. We're shooting. We miss. Miss a one-and-one. One. There's about seven seconds and go. They go down, they score, they tie the game up. We go into regular uh, first overtime. We have a chance to seal the win. We miss a one-on-one. -on -one. We go on a double overtime. And uh, uh, we, uh, we games tie, and uh, Robinson hits a, a, a turnaround jump shot with, with about five guys hanging all over him. We get beat. All right. <laughs> 94, we're in Mackey Arena, one game away from the state championship game. We play Valparaiso University. Bryce Drew, his uh, brother is yeah. the 
coach at Baylor. All right. Yeah. Bryce has ended up uh, playing in the pros for a while and stuff. And uh, we we go four overtimes, four overtimes. All right. And our starting five fall out of the game. And I'm looking. I said, hey, uh, who are we going to put in? We got these kids at the end of the bench. They're hiding because they don't want to go in because the game was such a, a, a tough game. It's a, yeah. They're doodling all over themselves, you know, but uh, four overtimes. We had a chance. Kid, we're shooting a one-on-one with 0.8 seconds to go, and he misses a free throw. Ooh. And then uh, 95, we play uh, Merrillville, who's uh, there. Uh, they had one loss for the year. And we go into a trip overtime with them guys, and we get beat at the buzzer. They make a free throw, we miss a free throw. So those, I mean, that was uh, – uh, heartbreaking, heartbreaking. You know, you know, you don't get over those games. No, I, I wasn't I mean, even there, but my my gut is I turning mean, right now. Hey, the, the four overtime game. I mean, you know, I mean, Jesus, what what can you do? You know, <laughs> now the dead come play. Sit there and watch it. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, and you talk about free throws. You know, you shoot them before practice. You shoot them middle of practice. You shoot them at end of practice. You you put the uh, you know. If you make it, you don't run. If you if you miss, you got to run. I mean, we tried them all. We even got uh, – I even bought uh, – Rick Mount had a uh, – put out a basketball. It's an oversized, the, oversized basketball. Yeah. Uh, we even bought big, that. The big, the big ball. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I still got it in the closet. I'll send it to JD and bring it back for you guys. Well, <laughs> well uh, Marcus, you'll like you'll like this. Uh, my first year as a head coach at Heights, 78-79, uh, about the fourth game or fifth game of of my uh, there, we played Denny Smith and the McCollum Cowboys at McCollum, and that was the year that I don't know they won like maybe thirty. And they were really, really, really good at size and, you know, six, seven, six, eight post guys, six, four guards. And we were not very good. But for what, for, but I, I had conned my guys into playing good. <laughs> I told them my mother was going to be there. My father's going to be there. Uh, the athletic director at Harlandale has known me since a kid. And by golly, you guys better, better not let me down. <laughs> and yeah. So, and so, the game goes five overtimes. Oh wow! And and uh, we got the ball three times in overtime, and we 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 stalled. We, we it was three minute overtimes back then, and we just stalled. And finally, Denny beat us eighty one to eighty. And I think it was like at the end of the fourth overtime, uh, Skippy Jobson, who was the athletic director, he and my dad were it was that was the superintendent. They were standing down there um, uh, on the wall next to the home bench. And Skippy goes, hey, Denny, aren't you guys just call it a draw and let's go to, let, let's go to Earl Abel's and get something to eat? And Denny goes, eh, oh, no. <laughs> and so, so that, that game just is just because, I mean, I love Denny Smith. And, and uh, so I lo- we lost that one. Um, <clears throat> One of the ones that's, <coughs> excuse me, is in the 91 
semis at uh, at the state tournament. It was a triple overtime game against Pampa, and uh, we hit. I, I'm telling you, we hit a long pass at the end of the first overtime. Is a play we call home run. Uh, three seconds left on the clock, down one. Uh, at the end of regulation, we made one free throw to tie it. And the first overtime, we're down one, ball out of bounds. We ran our play. Uh, we, we, we had two long-distance plays. Uh, one was called a grand slam and one was called home run. And we had a timeout. And I just said, I said to them, I said, where do you all want to run grand slam or home run? They said, home run. So we, I didn't draw anything. We worked on it all the time. We went out there and, you know, we hit it and tied the game up. Uh, and well, we're, excuse me, we were down two. Uh, not down one because I would have won it. We were down two, tied it up. The second overtime, we're down three with five seconds to go, bring the ball in, run, and uh, we're out of timeouts, and I'm yelling our, at our point guard, Glenn Winship, you know, to, I'm making that little wavy hand, like penetrate and kick, penetrate and kick, you know. Everybody was running to their spots. And so he took the ball, and uh, Ben Hart brings it out of bounds, five seconds, down three. He takes off in the Irwin Center, uh, and we got one guy sprinting to the right, one guy sprinting to the left. We had a trailer, and everybody fanned out to cover the, the kick guys. And Glenn pulls up at the line. He had not taken a three-point shot all year long, all year long. He's a great point guard. He was a he was a award winning quarterback uh, on the football team. He's great athlete, great defender, great passer. But he didn't need to shoot threes for us. But he did then. He he shot the thing, and I've got a picture of it. The ball's in midair, and he's following through on his shot. And the, you can see the red light on the backboard, and it's and it's halfway there, and it goes in. <laughs> would go into a third overtime. And the third overtime, uh, uh, we uh, we get fouled. We're up one. There's just a few seconds left on the clock. And the worst free throw shooter on our team, Andrew Mabius, uh, and we won the state uh, free throw thing that year. We shot like 74.9% for the year. Well, uh, Andrew Mabius, he's at like 59. And so he gets fouled. Um, and we're down one. And, and I'm thinking, oh, no, <laughs> this is no good. <laughs> and sure enough, he misses it. But on free throws, we ran plays off of free throws. Um, and so we had our number one play called on on the free throw. He misses. We get the rebound on our play. We throw it out to Glenn, who's the point guard, and guys are running at him, and he he knows this. I got to just move the ball, you know. He throws it to Andrew Mabius, the same guy that just <laughs> missed, and he's got Trevor Bain and he's got Ben Hart and all these guys that are shooting like eighty-two percent, and he throws it back to Andrew. And Andrew catches it, and they foul him. And Glenn, you can see it on the film. Uh, it, and there was a close-up because the TV stations were there. 
he drops to his knees and puts his head down. And he, and I, we talked about it later. He goes, I know, Coach. <laughs> and so Andrew goes to the line. He misses. <laughs> but David Peavy snags the rebound. David Peavy, who's the head coach at Duncanville now, gets the rebound and lays it in off of one of our free throw plays. And we win by one in triple overtime to get to the state championship game. In the state championship game, we're two minutes away, and I think we're going to win it. And we were just mentally and physically fatigued. Our last eight shots that we took hit the front of the rim. And like like I said, we hit a three with 2.30 to go, and I think we're going to win it against Port Arthur Lincoln, and we didn't. So uh, it was a lifetime of memories in, in two games there. And then the biggest game ever at the Mule Dome was uh, Sam Houston was 26-0, and 0, uh, and we were something in three. Uh, we were like, I don't know, 24-3. and three. The only three games we lost were up in Maryland. We got beat by <laughs> Saratsville, Virginia, and – and uh, um, D.C. Dunbar, and all close games. Uh, and so we hadn't lost in Texas, but <laughs> we'd lost in Maryland. And so it was the game of the year, and everybody was talking about it in the city, and, and Act- the Express had it as the game of the year. And we were down, uh, I don't know, 15 in the first half, and we cut it back to 10 or 11, and we slowly but surely chipped away at it. And we got the ball back with 18 seconds to go, called timeout, down uh, – no, it's actually tied. We had fought back to a tie. And Sam had the ball, came down, missed, we got it. And we so we we, – taking a timeout. And Bruce McConaughey McConaughey looks at me and goes, get the ball to Jimmy, (laughs) which was the reference of Hoosiers coach. And remember the last game uh, where he said, I'll make it. <laughs> so Bruce and I had talked about that. Of life. He said, get the ball to Jimmy, which meant for us, get the ball to Clay Click, who was the best high school player that I ever coached. And we ran a play in the first half. It was a staggered play screen for him coming off a stagger. And he was wide open, and he just missed it. So we hadn't run it. Uh, since the first quarter. So I stepped in there and I said, okay, we're running three. Uh, and, and so we did. We had a rule with that team. And, and with certain teams, you can do this, and certain teams, you can't. We had a rule that any time a play broke down, whether it didn't matter who had the ball, if a play broke down, we were – Clay was coming to the ball and you either find him and pass it over, he'd come take a handoff from you if he had to. And then somebody set a ball screen, and he'd make a play. So we run, the, run our three play. Uh, Clay starts off on the right wing. He comes across a single on the one side. He comes across a single on the other side. And one of uh, uh, the Sam guys smelled it out and jumped it. And uh, our sophomore, uh, uh, Alex White, caught the ball and saw that Clay was not open. Clay came around, and this is on the left side of the floor, free throw line extended about 20-something feet out, 
and it was just like we always practice and you know you can't draw it up it just has to happen organically uh, and clay comes and alex gives him a handoff on the back side a kid named uh uh jay uh william o'brien was one of our post guys he's waving at him he's waving at him but holding up his hand like no i'm coming to screen you so he comes from the bottom and sets a screen at the top of the key as as clay's circling around he pops open between two defenders you know, like two feet on the right and between two feet between the two defenders and he jumps up and knocks it down and we break sam's thing and we both end up being co-district champions and it was it was by far the most exciting game that had ever been played in the Mule Dome before or since. Yeah, Clay, oh. he, he really scored the ball. Oh, he's a great shooter. And, and understood the game. That night, just to show you what kind of an all-around player, he had 40, 13 rebounds, and nine assists. That, that night. <laughs> yeah. And the game went and shot. And the game went and shot, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about um, some impactful moments that you guys have had in your careers. You know, when you realize, you know, all the X's and O's are great, uh, but really it's about the kids and the relationships and just kind of helping them become men. Go ahead, Coach. Well, uh, you know, uh, I, uh, my, first, my first team, we had a, a kid about – uh, six five six six, athletic. His uncles were all ball players. They all went to college on scholarships. He was living with his mom and sister, and uh, came home from practice, and everything was gone. The house was dark, empty. He calls me, said, "Coach, there's there's no you know my mom's gone, and she took everything." And uh, uh, I said, dang, I said, so, you know, I mean, this, you know, you, you talk about, you know, the games, you did this or the kid did that, but you go home and every, everything is gone. And, uh, uh, he, uh, we, we, we took care of him. We, we, uh, uh, hooked him up and, um, eventually he ended, ended up living with his, uh, with his uncle for a while, but, uh, he ended up, uh, at, uh, Western Michigan, and then transferred to uh, to Hawaii. He spent uh, four years in Hawaii, and uh, now he's a banker. Now he's a banker. In fact, he just uh, I just talked to him. He's uh, he applied for the uh, head job at uh, at our school. He said, "I'm gonna hire you as my assistant if uh, if I get the job." I said, "You sure you want me? To, you sure you want to do that?" But, uh, you know, uh, you know, if, you know, it's only a game and. I always try to tell the, the, the kids, you know, listen, don't let the game use you. You use the game. It's, it's only a stepping stone to get where you want to get to, you know. Uh, Absolutely. You know, it's, a, it's only a game that, you know, use the game. Don't let the game use you. A lot of, a lot of these kids, the, the game uses them, and then when they can't play no more, they, get, they got nothing. They had nothing. So uh, uh, use the game. Use the, use the sport to your advantage and take advantage of it and, uh, you know, to get to where you want to get to. So, uh, 
you know, you see too many things that uh, these kids, you know, they want to they wanna turn pro because uh, somebody said, well, hey, you could play. Well, you know what? There's, there's, you know, there's a, a million other guys that could play the, just as well as you can, you know. And what really opened my eyes was when uh, JD started, we started playing AAU. We get to, uh, we, uh, we played in Kentucky, a hoop fest, Eddie Forrest hoop fest. And uh, I'm sitting, I said, damn. Look at that! Did you see that? Look at another court. Damn! Look at look at that guy. I mean, I mean, you, you say, hey, well, I got I got Marcus. Marcus is a is a ball player, all right. But I tell you what, you, you get away from the area and you say, damn, you know, you get your eyes open because uh, you know, damn, I thought Marcus could play, but man, he can't play like this guy could play. So, uh, you know, <laughs> but uh, you know we. We, uh, we used to have uh, study tables, you know, before practice to, uh, uh, um, we, ha we hired the uh, uh, National Honor Society members to come in and, and uh, tutor help some of the guys that needed, you know, needed help, whatever in algebra or English or whatever. But uh, uh, you could do, you know, you could do whatever you want to do, but if you, if you don't have their attention, uh, they're not going to do it. So uh, we tried to uh, grab your attention. And uh, uh, I had an incident with the one kid. We used to give him uh, weekly grade checks, game a sheet, and uh, take around to all their teachers to uh, uh, check grades, weekly grade check. Well, he's not, uh, that's it. That's it. He doesn't have his uh, coach, he doesn't have his uh, progress report. I said, What do we want to do? I said, Well, I said, You know what? Uh, I grabbed his duffel bag, put it back in the in the uh, in a room, left him sitting sitting on his butt in the locker room, and we got on the bus and, and went and uh, uh, played the game without him on the game. You know what? Next week, that he was the first guy to turn in his progress report. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had I tell you what, I was in grade school, and growing up, I mean, basketball was everybody just had basketball in the brain. Nobody, you know. So I had this had this nun said, you're not, you're not playing until I tell you to. And he said, I want you to bring your dad in. So me and my dad went to the, to the sister, the nun. She had the, the old habits, all you see was her eyes, nose, and mouth. Okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, she, leaned she leaned over the desk and said, he may be king of the court, but I'm queen of the classroom. And he ain't playing until I say he could play. And my dad was sliding down the chair. He said, whoa, he didn't, he, he didn't say a word until he got into the car with me. <laughs> but you know what? Hey, the bus went, the bus went, and I, was, I wasn't on that bus. But uh, I, I learned, learned at an early age that, you know, schoolwork is, is more important than anything. <laughs> Coach, I had, that, I had that exact moment with Sister Rayfield, who was uh, – Hey, uh, blessed sacrament nun, and they had the big old, like you said, the, the yeah. habits and stuff. And I pulled something in the seventh grade, and she called a parents meeting with me and my dad on Sunday after mass. And I was talking about terrified. I mean, because <laughs> she knew my dad was a coach and uh, and a teacher, and and we went in there, and Sister Rayfield laid it down. Uh, he's a really good kid. He's smart. He's got a lot of it. 
but he opens his big mouth too much. (laughs) 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 So I had the exact same thing that dad and none. And it was like, none wins. (laughs) Every time. And to make the ad insult to injury, she had a better bowling average than what my dad had. (laughs) She was a hell of a bowler. (laughs) And Sister Rayfield grew up, I think it was like one girl and six brothers, and she would umpire our baseball games, our softball games. She was a great umpire. (laughs) (laughs) No arguments. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's, that's for sure. Any any advice that you guys uh, would give any young aspiring coaches? I know you both got sons uh, working their way up, ways up the ranks. And any advice, maybe to your sons or just to any coaches in general? Well, uh, let me just let me just say one thing about the the you know coach was talking about the difficult situations with kids and stuff, and that you know you're there to help. We've all had those, but when it's all said and done. And guys that you've, you've made them do this and you've harped on them about this and you stayed after them or, and all those things. And they, then years later, they, they get back in touch with you. And, and this, is, this is no lie. Uh, last Saturday, I was visiting with Ben Hart uh, for a long time. Uh, yesterday, I got a call from, uh, and Ben graduated in 92. I got a call from uh, Don Lewis, who was a point guard in 84, and we shot the breeze for 20 or 30 minutes. And today I got a call from Andres Marmalejo, who wants me to get together with him and show him a few drills. And he graduated in like 06 or something like that. And you just be surprised. Those guys want to keep up with you. They're interested in you. They'll call you. Uh, You can call them. And they're all – they're not kids. I mean, they've got families, they got kids and, and, you know, and they're just good, 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 close friends. And that's the takeaway really. I mean, we didn't, none of us got rich coaching high school basketball, not a one of us, but we, what we gained relationships with kids, players, students, parents that you can't put a dollar amount on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, uh, I've only, I've only been a head coach for six years. Um, but even, even at that, I, I can already see the trend of, you know, some of the sure. kids you're hardest on, you know, they're the ones that are already coming back and coach. I needed it. I was a fool. Yep. I appreciate you kind of stuff. Coach Fabian, you're going to say something? But I, you know what? The best advice I would, I could give to a, a young guy trying to get into it to do whatever it takes. Hey, if you got to pick up towels, uh, in my case, uh, you know, uh, uh, I started coaching. Uh, I uh, coached my team. I took care of injuries. I even drove the school bus. I mean, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever the guy needs, be there to, to help. And the second thing, ask questions. You know, you don't know something, ask, you know, what, what do you coach? What do you do against, uh, how would you run a, uh, how would you run this two, three against, against this team? Or how would you, uh, what would you run against a one, three, one, or, you know, if you're having trouble against uh, a, a zone press, 
how do you break the zone press? I mean, ask. I mean, you know, uh, I tell you what, I uh, they're breaking down film. You know, uh, <laughs> the, the coach looking at me said, that play looks familiar. I said, well, it ought to look familiar because I, it's the play I got from you guys when I was watching your tape. You know, what I would tell them <clears throat> is stay off the damn internet trying to learn how to coach. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, there's, a, there's too many young coaches that think they can just dial up a thousand plays or a thousand years and and just watch some guy give some play that he has but that's not teaching you how to coach um i mean x's and o's are obviously very very important but to me anything anytime i could sit down and listen to some guy that'd been doing it a long time just listen and shut your mouth. Don't say anything. Uh, maybe ask a question here and there uh, and listen to what they had to say. I would sit and listen for hours while Weldon Beard would talk basketball and draw plays on napkins. And he did 75% of the talking and I did 75% of the listening. And, uh, and, and 25% would be asking questions or saying something. Uh, I'll give another thing. <clears throat> if you don't know how to do something, go ask somebody. Uh, when matchup zones were getting real big and guys were playing matchup zones, uh, I went and found Lee Stubbs, and we went and drank coffee one night, and I said, teach me everything you do about the matchup zone. And so he broke down everything they did, how they taught it step by step, what the rotations were, what the clues were, what the cues were, what, all of it. And I, I didn't want to learn the matchup zone because we were going to run it. I wanted to learn how to defeat it. Yeah. So I went to somebody who taught me everything there was about it, and then I asked him, what are the, what are the weaknesses? And then he told me what the weaknesses were. And so there were like four or five teams that next year that played brand matchup, and we didn't lose one of them. And, and they all ran it good. Cliff Wilkins and New Braunfels, I mean, they ran it great. And, and you know, we beat them because uh, we hit the, the thing. But I wanted to learn not to run it, but how to defeat it. Yeah. And don't limit yourself to one or two of your coaching buddies. Yeah. You know, go find people and just ask them if you can come watch practice. Ask them if you can have dinner with them. Uh, I'll tell you somebody, uh, just this one example. Uh, Chris Adamek out at, at uh, Champion when he was at Harlandale. Uh, Chris, and, you know, he, Chris played for Stan Leach, and, and Stan Leach has been, you know, his main guy. Uh, but Chris would call me and we'd get together and just talk basketball. And, and he would say, well, what did you do about this? And what did you do about that? And there's several guys that have done that, but, but <clears throat> I'm just kind of using Chris as a, as a uh, example, because the job that he did at Harlandale High School is really close to my heart because that's where dad spent his career. And uh, so get out there and ask people, visit with them. Uh, just don't get hung up on watching YouTube. You know, I was uh, Cliff Ellis, who, <laughs> who uh, just got that job at Temple Junior College. He, uh, he was saying the same thing, you know, 
Um, get back in the gyms. Get back to the clinics. Talk to these guys. You know, listen. It's better face to face than just hopping on the computer. I guess uh, kind of similar to what you're saying. Well, I you know back then, I when I first started going to clinics, I wrote every word down that I could get. And I had volumes of stuff, and Jerry Tyson had volumes of stuff. And and when Jerry retired, he gave all his stuff to me. And I've given all my stuff and Jerry's stuff to Clay, my son. Yeah. Uh, but about, you know, after 10, 12, 13, 14 years going to clinics, I found myself writing down less and less and less. And, you know, you, 20 years, I write down a few things here and there, just a, a, a something, somebody taught something a little better or a, a different way. And, and a lot of times I just sit there and just listen, don't write anything down. Uh, and in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, we do that already. And he's, he's reaffirming that we're doing the right thing. Or it'd be like, oh, whew, that's a different little thing uh, from what we do. That, that's great. And I'd kind of jot something down. But the, the, the idea is don't ever think you got it all. I mean, and yeah. I know some coaches that, that, that I've competed against over the years and, and some of our friends – have told me about guys in other parts of the state with, that they play against, that their egos are so huge. And it, it just, you know, those are the kind of – those you don't want to be that. You want to be the guy that's humble, that's really fiery competitor, uh, but, you know, humble at the same time. And, and well, I think Charles Barkley said it best. He said, Michael Jordan is not more competitive – than this guy or that guy or this guy or that guy. You can't tell me he's more competitive. He said, but the deal is he's better. So you can't say, well, I'm just more competitive. Therefore, I'm, you know, I'm a better coach. Or uh, what I do, I justify by being I'm competitive. Um, no, nah, it doesn't work that way. Do things the right way. Learn from people doing the right, right way. Uh, be gracious when you win and be gracious and complimentary when you lose. Mm -hmm. And you'll be really glad that you did over the years. Good stuff. It's all great stuff. Um, yeah. Before we call this one a day, um, I've had a ton of fun, but uh, I do want to ask you guys, what have, what have your thoughts been on this uh, Last Dance documentary? I'm going to assume that you both have seen it, especially yeah. uh, you, Coach Fabian, being from the area. Well, uh, it's like reliving it, and uh, 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 it's uh, surprising. I, you renew most of the stuff that went on, but uh, uh, there was a few things that we didn't that you know didn't get out uh, pertaining to practices and what they were doing. And uh, uh, now the big controversy here is that uh, uh, you know Pippen doesn't like what he's how he was portrayed. Uh, Grant wasn't didn't like how he was portrayed, uh, you know. But Scotty, uh, Scotty, Scott, you know, I mean, why would you, why would you say that if you had to do it all over again, I, I sit out all over again? I mean, you just you're just asking for criticism. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, uh, well, I for, for me, I, I didn't really enjoy it. It's just kind of interesting behind the curtains, and I yeah. took, I, I, I've enjoyed it too. Uh, but I've taken it all with a grain of salt because yeah. Michael Jordan is the best proponent of Michael Jordan that there ever was, is, and will be. 
So, you know, you got to take some of the stuff with a grain of salt while still at the same time saying he's the best basketball player I've ever seen. I mean, there's nobody close to him. But how, you know, that's when I, you know, you, you asked about coaches earlier. Uh, I, I mentioned Phil Jackson. Coach, you, you probably would like, how would you handle Rodman? Rodman would probably be gone from my team. <laughs> Me too. Me you know too. what I'm saying? I mean, he, he, uh, I mean, cause we're old school. I mean, you know, hey, uh, but uh, uh, for what some of the stuff Robin pulled and he, he kept them all together through all those three years, you know, not showing up for practice because he went to, to Las Vegas for a, for a wrestling show. Uh, didn't tell anybody. They didn't know where he's at. I don't know where he's at. I mean, <laughs> I mean, how, you know, I mean, he, he kept them all together and, you know, they had, uh, it was amazing how he kept them, kept them together. Well, and, and Phil, he's running a million dollar, multi-million dollar operation. And you're right. You and I, we had a knucklehead like that. He, regardless, he wouldn't play for us. Uh, and he didn't act that way when he was a kid. And he didn't act that way when he first got uh, in college and played a little bit. He didn't even play high school ball. Um, he became that later. And because he was so good at it, people, you know, they tried to deal with it. And, you know, Phil had his ways of reining them in uh, that were – it's just different from, from, from what you and I would have done if it had been in high school because you're right. Yeah. Uh, any kind of those kind of behaviors, after I'd counsel them, talk to them over and over and over again, and you still don't listen, you still won't pay attention, you still don't understand what we're asking you to do, then, you know, okay, well, maybe it's, it's grounds for divorce. Right. And uh, he had a cup of coffee with uh, San Antonio, and I guess what got him out of San Antonio was sitting at the end of the bench with his shoes off. That's and right. And Popovich was looking to uh, put him back in the game. <laughs> he looked, he had his shoes off, and he was out of town by sundown. <laughs> that's, that's about right. Well, guys, I, I really appreciate you guys taking some time out and talk some some basketball and some hoops. Uh, it's been fun, uh, and, and I'm just really grateful for you for you taking time out of your day. Hey, hey coach, are you uh, are you close to San Antonio still? Uh, yeah, I'm right in the middle of it. Okay, you know what? I'll be down for basketball season. I like to get together, have a few pops with the foam on top. Oh yeah, hey, just. You let me know. We'll go watch Marcus play, watch his team play, and then we'll uh, – I got a couple of spots I'll take you to. Okay. Hey, you know what? I've been down there. I can't find a spot. He's uh, – right, well, his well, son you, is, is on my staff, Coach Bogus. Oh, he is? Okay. Yeah, so he, he's at all the McCollum games already when he's in town. Oh, okay. Well, good. Well, then I'll show up too, and then don't worry. I'll find the spots for him. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good, Coach. Yeah, nice to meet you. Nice meeting you. And hey, thank Marcus, you guys. thanks a lot. Yes, thank you, Marcus. You guys have a good day. All right. All right. Take care.